Hello and welcome to the Midweek Simplicity Podcast, Episode 9. We are nearing the end of our journey. This Sunday is our final Sunday in the series, and next Wednesday will be our final Midweek episode. Uh, In this episode, I want to explore some questions about being a minimalist family. Pursuing biblical minimalism is all well and good, but how do we navigate that if we're married? or have kids, or roommates, or we live with our parents. This is one of the more difficult aspects to navigate for many people. No doubt if you've caught the bug and begun minimizing your own stuff, it can become contagious. And for many people, myself included, once you start, it's really hard to stop. I mean, first off, you want to keep the momentum going for strategic reasons, but even if you didn't, there's this built-in momentum that just sort of happens, and it's contagious for you and hopefully contagious for others as well. But there comes a point when you've gone through most of your belongings, or at least everything that's easy, and then naturally your attention turns to those around you. Uh, Your roommates, your parents, your spouse if you're married, your kids if you have them. And there can be this overwhelming temptation to tackle their stuff. I mean, by now, you've trained your eye to see and attack clutter. You've trained your heart to be able to recognize what is truly adding value and what isn't. And you'll notice that in other people's stuff as well, without even meaning to. Your roommates, your spouse, your parents, if you're living at home, your kids, oh my goodness. Uh, But the first recommendation I can give in terms of family minimalism is to resist every impulse to touch or tackle their stuff. In fact, if you're driven crazy by their clutter and excess stuff, I would actually encourage you to channel that energy back at your own stuff. If you remember a few weeks back when we interviewed Maddie Fisher, she said that her husband John, whenever he gets the impulse to buy something, instead goes around the house and finds something to give away. He channels that energy in a new and more helpful direction. Uh, And you can do the same thing here. Every time you're annoyed or overwhelmed by other people's stuff, take it as a sign that you still have more to give away. Before you remove the speck from your brother's eye, first remove the plank from your own. Uh, It is way easier to see other people's clutter and junk than it is your own. Uh, Timothy Keller, in his book, The Meaning of Marriage, says that you should approach marriage with the understanding that the number one problem in your marriage is your own selfishness. That's the main problem inhibiting your marriage. And I was shocked when I first read that. But he says, focus on that. Don't focus on the flaws you see in your spouse. Uh, Focus on your own selfishness, which is probably what caused you to see those flaws in your spouse and what caused you to focus or ruminate on those flaws to begin with. And I'd advise a similar strategy here. Every time you see, quote, 
flaws or excess in, or clutter in those around you, uh, take it as a sign that you aren't done minimizing your own things. Uh, but don't touch your roommate's stuff. Don't mess with your family's stuff. If you want to, ch to tackle a general area of the home, say the kitchen or the living room, then uh, sit down with your family or your roommates and ask them. Uh, tell them what's on your heart and see if they will agree to try it in a general area of the home. And then, of course, give them a chance to review the items you want to discard before you discard them because no one wants to find out after the fact. Uh, again, if you're going to attempt that process, the maybe pile can be really helpful here as you can just say, hey, uh, what if we try living without this stuff for a month and see what happens? Like, what if we try an experiment together? And in the meantime, all the stuff is in a box, in a closet, and if you need it again, it's there. If you're halfway through the month and you have to pull out the, the waffle iron or whatever, like you, you can do that. Uh, but be patient with others through that process and make it your goal to lead by example. In The More of Less, uh, Joshua Becker tells the story of a woman who practiced minimalism for five years before her husband finally jumped on board. But for most people, it's much less than that. If you're really living it out and experiencing the fruit of it, then odds are the people around you will notice and want something similar. Often it's contagious, but it's not something that you want to force. So don't try. The one relationship in which you can be more direct is with your kids if you have them because as parents, you get to set the tone of your home, you get to set the rules uh, and culture of your home, but involve your kids in that process. I mean, the younger the kids are, the more you're going to make decisions for them. Our kids currently range from age two to five. And uh, over the last year, we've probably gotten rid of 60% of their toys or more, and they literally haven't even noticed. Uh, they haven't asked for a single item that's been given away. And all of it spent time in the maybe pile first. We'll often put things away uh, for six months or more and then just see if the kids notice or ask for any of those things. But even at a young age, if you're very hands-on, it's still good to involve them in the process to the extent that we can. Uh, so in many cases, we know as parents which toys they love and which are just clutter. But even so, uh, as Christmas approached a few months ago, we sat them down and we said, boys, uh, Christmas is coming and you're going to get some new gifts. Not a lot, but you will get some new toys. Uh, why don't we go around the house and collect some toys that you don't play with anymore so that you can give them to other kids who don't have toys, and then there will be room for your new ones. And we reminded them what Jesus said, that it's, that it's more blessed to give than to receive, that that's actually a better way to live. And they did it. Uh, something clicked. Uh, even our oldest, who is naturally more of a collector and has a hard time giving things away, he filled multiple boxes with toys that he knew he didn't really love or play with, and he chose to remove them, uh, and, and, and he chose to remove more than I would have anticipated. But in either case, no matter what your experience is, we need to help our kids with their toys. 
Uh, and most kids in America have way too many toys. So there's going to be some low hanging fruit. Uh, American kids make up 3% of the global kid population and consume 40% of its toys. That's over 10 times their percentage. Uh, another study I found said that kids in the developed world average 238 toys per child, but only play with 12 out of those 238 toys on a regular basis, uh, meaning that 95% of their toys aren't actually loved, valued, or engaged with. It's just there. It's just clutter. And guess what? I know you want to complain about how many toys there are in your home, but you're the one to blame. Uh, your five-year-old doesn't have a job. Uh, they didn't purchase those toys. They didn't set the rules of the home. You did, and you can correct it as well. Uh, but before we get super motivated and just go in and just gut their toys for them, remember to involve your children. And the older they are, the more you should involve them. If you have a child who is three or younger, uh, they aren't going to notice or really care if you remove their unused toys. But the older the child is, the more they need to be involved. And the, the one thing that can be very helpful for children of any age is to give them limits. Tell them that they can collect as many pet rocks as they want as long as they fit into this shoebox, or you can have as many clothes as you want, as long as they fit in your dresser. You can have as many toys as you want, as long as they fit in your closet. You can have as many paintings as you want, as long as they fit in this bin under your bed. And the amazing thing is that kids understand limits and kids thrive with limits. And then they get to decide, if their toys are overflowing out of their closet, then they can decide what to keep and what to give away. If their clothes are overflowing out of their dresser and they can't get the drawers shut, then they can decide what to keep and what to donate. Uh, I've heard some really sad stories where parents micromanaged their kids' stuff, and as soon as grandma gives them a new toy, the parents sort of swoop in and remove it and donate it immediately because they want zero clutter in their home. Well, that's not involving the children, and it's not really fair to them, and it's not training them or equipping them to practice simplicity as they grow up. Uh, in fact, it may do the opposite. They may react against and be resentful and grow up to be hoarders who try to make up for their childhood and the lifestyle that was imposed upon them. We want uh, our children to experience and understand for themselves the joy of biblical minimalism. And there is so much here that we don't have time to unpack, but studies show consistently that kids become less creative and are actually less satisfied when they have too many toys. Uh, there's this principle that kicks in that's true of adults as well, that the more they have, the more they want and the more dissatisfied they become. We think we're loving our kids well uh, by buying them more and more and having toys packed into every corner. And we don't necessarily say this out loud, but we sort of think, oh, look at how magical their childhood is. Look at how many options they have. Look at, look at how well we are loving them. 
But really, what we're doing is taking the lies that we believe about materialism and material possessions and imposing them on our kids. That's actually not loving them well. And we are training them to be unsatisfied and to always look for happiness in the next purchase. And they aren't creative because they don't have to be. And they also get overwhelmed by all the clutter and all the options. In fact, you can do this as an experiment if you have young children. If you dump all of their toys out all over the floor, odds are they won't play with any of it because it's overwhelming. But if you were to remove all of their toys except one or two, uh, watch what happens. They will instantly play and engage with those one or two toys and come up with really good creative games along the way. Uh, and the less they have, generally speaking, the more creative and satisfied they will be because they, they come to this place where they know, hey, I have a few toys and I'm going to enjoy them and make do and I'm not going to get toys again until next Christmas or my birthday. There are sort of these built-in limits and kids thrive with limits. Uh, and limits work with older kids too, by the way. Uh, if you have older children, you can't just rotate their stuff out or get rid of things for them like you can with young kids. But you can teach them through example and through basic guidance the joys of living with less. The teenage years are the perfect time to master that skill. Uh, college is also a good time. But master it while you're young, and you'll set your entire life on a new trajectory. If you can teach your children of any age how to live with limits, you will save them from a world without limits, a world that has lost its mind and become completely unsatisfied in the process. Uh, a few extra tips if you're dealing with teenagers. Uh, first off, many teenagers do have ideals and they want to change the world. So help them see the connection. If you live with limits and don't blow all of your money on cheap clothes, you could sponsor a child or you could uh, buy a, a goat for a, a, fa a hungry family in Ethiopia or you could sponsor a beach cleanup uh, down the street or whatever it is that they're passionate about. Uh, some other helpful things with teenagers are helping them discern the lies in advertising, and you can make that a game if you want to. Uh, a couple other things here, focusing on character over stuff as sort of a constant theme through their teenage years, and requiring teenagers to pay for stuff, especially expensive items or sort of luxury beyond necessity items. They can pay for those themselves. Uh, don't buy everything for them and then wonder why they have so much stuff. Uh, make them work, save, and buy some of their own things, and it will change the way they relate to material stuff. Uh, another thing that may be helpful is connecting them with an outside role model or a mentor, especially if they're in that stage where they want to reject everything that you say just because you're mom and dad. Uh, connecting them with another biblical role model who is living some of this stuff out can be very helpful. And finally, uh, you can, if you can, uh, take your teenager overseas to the developing world. It will change their lives and the way that they think about material possessions. Uh, but regardless of your kid's age, 
It's really good to uh, set some goals as a family or make incentives together. Hey, when we finish our first round of minimizing through the home, we're going to take a vacation together. And maybe it's just to a local cabin, but then they can see, hey, because we didn't spend $300 this month on clothes we don't need or video games or cheap plastic toys, we get to do something fun and meaningful together as a family. Uh, maybe you involve your kids in sponsoring a child with the money you aren't wasting on consumerism, but let them see the benefits of minimalism and incentivize it if you can. If you do that well, you can come to this place where your whole family will start to be on the same page. Your kids uh, will have less toys, which means they'll be more content and creative. They will have longer attention spans, which is so vital in today's world. Uh, they will have more gratitude for the things that they do own, and you'll equip them to live better lives of contentment and self-control as they grow older. Uh, a quick word, if you don't have kids uh, then, and you've been sort of tuning out for the last 10 minutes, I just want to remind you that the odds are you probably will have kids one day. And if you're an empty nester and your kids are out of the house, uh, then odds are you may be a grandparent one day if you're not already. Uh, and grandparents, in my experience, are the number one cause of clutter in the home. Uh, even if they live a thousand miles away, I think many grandparents like to show their love through gift giving, and it can stack up really quickly uh, for families that are trying to pursue minimalism. Uh, on that topic, for the last few years, we've put out what we call the Decent Gift Guide. And we usually write something up and then email it to our extended family in early November. And we say explicitly in that document, we are attempting to practice minimalism as a family. Uh, we are intentionally experimenting in owning less. And as a result, we don't need anything for Christmas. But if you do want to give us gifts, here is our preference. First, as a family, we value experiences over stuff. We'd much rather have a membership to the Children's Museum or a weekend away as a family or a gift card for a fun dinner uh, than we would plastic toys. So uh, we point our friends and family to experiences. I think Maddie Fisher, after our interview a few weeks ago, uh, told my wife and I that they uh, asked their relatives for Airbnb gift cards for Christmas, which I thought was an awesome idea that empowers them to go out and do the things that they love. But we usually list a few examples of experiences to get people thinking in the right direction. Uh, second, we tell them, if you want to buy physical stuff uh, for our kids, think uh, about less things but higher quality. We are sort of trending toward the direction of one physical gift and one experience per child per Christmas. Uh, and that physical gift should, shouldn't have a screen. There's no electronics, and it should be something that's high quality and that's going to last. When it comes to gift giving, too often we have this mentality that more is better. And so we buy five different cheap plastic toys that are on sale instead of buying one high quality toy that's really going to be loved and used. And often in our gift guide, we'll throw out a few ideas for physical toys as well, just to point people in the right direction. Uh, another fun idea is that 
when our kids were born, my dad was kind enough to start a college fund for them and, and put a little bit of money in each one. Uh, which you can do through the state and get great returns on your investment. And this last Christmas, because my brother and his wife are very into minimalism, we uh, they weren't eager to buy us more plastic toys. Instead, they made a small contribution to each of our kids' college funds. And as our kids grow older, they will end up appreciating that way more than 200 plastic toys that they didn't really love or play with. So get creative uh, in your gift guide if you want to go that direction. It goes without saying, if you do make a gift guide, that some family members will respond well to it and others won't, and that's okay. We have several relatives who love the gift guide and literally only buy things that we suggest in the gift guide. They use it like a menu. They find it incredibly helpful uh, because they aren't shooting in the dark anymore. And we have uh, other close relatives who didn't even read it. They say, oh yeah, I, I think I saw the, the email. Uh, I never opened it. And here I, you know, I, bought, I bought more plastic toys. And we have grace for that. We, we aren't expecting everyone to fit our mold. And that goes the other way too. Uh, just because you're becoming a minimalist doesn't mean that the people around you are. So when you buy gifts for others, have grace for them and think about what will make them feel loved. Uh, buying experiences for others is usually a safe bet as most people uh, can receive that well. But if your brother really wants a pair of Nike shoes, it's probably not the best time to tell him uh, how low Nike scores in terms of global slavery and sweatshops or to buy him a book on minimalism instead of the shoes. Think about uh, how those people are actually going to feel loved. And if you uh, want your family to buy things off your new list, then consider doing the same for them. Uh, Christmas probably isn't the best time to impose your lifestyle unwillingly on others. And speaking of uh, imposing stuff on others... When it comes to family minimalism, uh, we respect others and where they're at. We don't remove their stuff without permission, especially if they're over the age of five. But we also have to be careful on the other side that we don't push our, unwa our unwanted stuff on others. And you would be surprised how often this happens. Older sisters go to minimize but push half their stuff on their younger sisters. Uh, parents go to minimalize, minimalize and give their stuff to their kids. College students go to minimize and they push stuff on their parents. Uh, so here's my advice. If you, if you are the kid or the college student, uh, don't use your parents' house as a bottomless storage unit. If you don't have something with you at college, in your dorm or apartment, it's because you don't need it. And let's be real, most of your stuff is going to sit at your parents' house for 10 years before you finally decide to get rid of it. So maybe start now. Honestly, if you're in college, you probably don't remember 90% of the stuff that you have back at your parents' house, which only further confirms that you really don't need it. But regardless of your age, there is often this temptation to put stuff off on other family members. Older sisters do it to younger sisters. Parents do it to their children, children to their parents. And it's because you don't have the courage to part with something. 
stop pushing stuff on family that you don't have the courage to part with. Just pull the trigger. Uh, don't save it for someday. Sell it, donate it, process your sentimental stuff. Let stuff go and trust that you will have what you need when life circumstances change again. Uh, one thing that I've already been guilty of is letting parents or family members look through stuff that we're discarding. Hey, see if you want any of this. And it feels loving, but in all reality, it's just adding clutter to their lives. Uh, one suggestion that I've heard that is awesome is that you can ask your family members, hey, is there anything you want or need or were planning to buy in the near future? And then as you minimize and discard, you can keep an eye out for those items and then only give them what they've stated in advance that they actually want or need. Uh, otherwise, family members uh, will slow down your progress, urging you to keep all of the stuff that you're trying to discard, or they will keep it from them for themselves rather unthoughtfully, uh, even though they don't need it, and you've just shifted clutter from one home to another. Uh, but in all of this, uh, navigating minimalism with others will have its difficulties and its pitfalls, if only because entire families are rarely on the same page. In fact, a husband and wife are rarely on the exact same page, and I've experienced that in my marriage. I think when my wife and I met years ago, she embodied many of the mindsets and practices of biblical minimalism. She held a loose grip on the things of this world. She saw everything as being borrowed from God uh, to be stewarded for him. She didn't own much, but she would freely pass on stuff that other people liked or admired. She would constantly give away her nice clothes, even new clothes, uh, to roommates that liked them. Uh, her car wasn't, quote, her car, it was just the black car that she'd been entrusted with. And that really surprised me when we met. Like, I, I wasn't there. For years within our relationship, I was sort of the hoarder, uh, the one with way too many clothes, with boxes and bins full of sentimental stuff and childhood toys, with an overflowing garage, with uh, tools and gear and just random stuff that I rarely used. And I imagine that my wife had moments of frustration over those years, but she never showed that. Uh, she always had grace for me and where I was at. And then in the last year or so, it's sort of reversed. Uh, I've been on fire for a simpler life. I've probably given away 80 to 90% of everything that I own. And I'm itching to sort of help her tackle her stuff and for us to tackle the kitchen together and a handful of other things. Uh, but I need to exercise that same patience and grace that she had for me. I need to lead by example. Uh, and I've made some mistakes and overstepped my bounds multiple times in the last year, trying to tackle general areas alone with my own standards without involving others. And it caused friction. Uh, but I've, I've also seen moments over the last year where uh, things went well, where through silent example, uh, my wife and kids have desired uh, a simpler life. And my wife appreciates the journey that we're on, even if she hasn't had the bandwidth 
uh, in the midst of motherhood to fully join me there yet. Uh, and she's given me more and more permission to simplify the kid's stuff, uh, mostly because she doesn't want to spend the next five years of her life constantly picking up extra clothes and toys. But in any case, family minimalism is a journey and it takes sustained momentum and grace and patience to navigate. If you want to go deeper, there are entire books written on these subjects, including Clutter Free with Kids and The Minimalist Home, both of which are written by Joshua Becker, who's a very practical, down-to-earth writer on this topic. Uh, also, I'm going to post a series of articles and uh, blog posts about minimalism with kids on our Slack page, and hopefully that gets some of you thinking and dreaming about how to navigate all this as a family. But the bottom line is that it's worth it. If you pursue this as a family, it will help your sanity, it will help your home, it will help your children if you have them as they learn to live with limits and embody simplicity in a world gone mad. It's a great gift that we can give to them. And it's worth it to navigate this journey together and enjoy the fruit of simplicity together. Uh, kids who don't know how to set limits for themselves eventually become adults who don't know how to set limits for themselves. And that's a problem. So equip them now. And remember, as we close, that sharing minimalism is an act of love. It should be done in love. So approach it that way. We aren't out to condemn or attack people's stuff. We want this because we care about them. Keep that focus. Uh, talk about the benefits of simplicity. Uh, don't come at them in a moment of frustration uh, as you've tripped over their clutter. Uh, Paul says, uh, I may speak in the tongues of men or even angels, but if I do not love, I am a clanging cymbal or a resounding gong. If it's not received well, then you're, you're not going to go anywhere. So go in love, uh, focus on the benefits and the positive changes, and walk it out together. Uh, and as you begin to walk it out, start with the low-hanging fruit. Even the worst of hoarders uh, can admit uh, that there's something that can go. They can find something to start getting rid of. And then you build from there. And you can, over time, enlist the help of your family and experience together the joys of living with less. And I'd encourage you to do that first through your example and then through loving words shared at the right time. And with that, blessings on your minimalism journey. Continue seeking a simpler life with Jesus and with those around you. Uh, walk in his grace and peace. Speak out of love, and we will see you on Sunday.